You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. things about science fiction is that in the same breath as it uses to fill you with a sense of wonder and inspires awe, it can also terrify you. Human beings don't like feeling insignificant. We want our lives to have a purpose and the vastness of the universe, the real one, let alone that which writers create, can make us feel as though we've so little influence or reason for being and that it's truly terrifying. However, from that fear, a talented writer will demonstrate how strength, courage, honor can lift a life beyond such darkness so that a light may shine upon us, so that our life does have purpose. Xenoblade Chronicles X starts with a chilling concept, that the world is caught between two warring alien factions and that we are simply the bugs under their collective heels, squashed without any thought. However, a group of humans do in fact escape, and it's their story which you come to learn of as they try to make sense of this new life away from Earth. There was a really good three-hour-long gameplay session that was on, I want to say Polygon, and mm-hmm. we all watched it, various amounts of it, and I think we came away with very different opinions of the game. I know that my opinion now is far different than what it was before. And that's both disappointing and also just, I got to look at it more realistically because a lot of times something is hyped a lot to be a lot more than what it turns out to be. Now, again, entirely subjective. So just as an overview Again, it's it's. I've been really, really wanting that one Wii U game that I can sink my teeth into, and do something other than Mario Kart on mine. <laughs> so I really did have high hopes for this. You can obviously tell from my choice of wording that I'm a little disappointed with certain elements of this game. But we'll get into all of those particulars later. Joe, what about you? What was your takeaway from the video? Honestly, I got kind of what I expected out of it. I, I don't know. Did you ever really play the old Xenoblade games? No, I didn't. So, I mean, and, and I think that kind of, that it set an expectation for me. This is what I expected. Beautiful game, beautiful graphics, grindy as all hell. It's a Japanese RPG. I expect to grind until my balls fall off. That's just kind of what I expect out of it. Um, but other than that, like, I got a, a, what I expected, and then I also got some really awesome... For me, it was the music. I thought it was really, really cool for it, uh, at least from what we saw in that that couple hours of, of gameplay. Um, it looks like it's just the next logical step in the Xenoblade series, and that I'm okay with that. Like, it, I didn't see anything that wowed me, but I didn't see anything that turned me away from it either. I will be picking this up. Um, it's just not going to be one of those things. Like, it wasn't. Uh, if they came out with a special edition of it, I probably wouldn't care. Uh, but I will be playing the game. Like, I just. I got that feel like it's going to be a Xenoblade game. It's going to be awesome. I actually get to customize my character. I get to make my character look fucking badass. Uh, I can pick up loot that makes it look cool as shit. And the combat system looks to be exactly what I expected it to be. 
It's funny you mentioned the music, actually. That was one of the things that initially didn't bother me as much. But as the video went on the and you're looking, you know, several hours in, I just did not find that the music fit at mm-hmm. all with whatever you were doing. The score it, just it's didn't good. fit. It's just frequently out of context. Yeah, it oh, was, yeah. It no, was very much an I anime theme song. Can't even doubt that. So it was like, I just didn't. Anyways, Vince, what was your ticket away? I take away. Yeah, initially I was I just blown away by the scope and, and just the way the game looks in the context of it being a Wii U game. This is what we were talking about last week. The Wii U is capable of far more than we've seen from it recently. And uh, Xenoblade X is obviously really pushing the boundaries. I don't know if this was played with the data pack. You can download like 10 gigs worth of high textures uh, to really make it pop HD. I don't know if this was with it or not, but even still by the standard set of the Wii U, this is easily one of the most gorgeous games on the console. See, I don't find actually, that's the other thing I'm watching this and I'm thinking this is not, and, and maybe it would be different if I was watching it on my TV, you know, watch it on the big mm-hmm. screen and in HD, obviously, maybe then I'd be like, okay, this is very impressive, but we're watching a video of some, someone playing. So there was compression and things like that. Although yeah, some the, the, of the, the feed was not, uh, top no, no, there was definitely no. some weird artifacting in that feed. Yeah. But it, some of it wasn't just from the video because you actually saw how different textures were being, would appear later as mm-hmm. you're moving through that's in the game. That's not the video. Mm-hmm. So you can see how it's trying to pull in and that's where it might be trying to pull in the higher resolution uh, graphics as it's you're playing, who knows, but I'm watching this and I'm thinking that's not that impressive. And and I don't want to hear any of the bullshit of, well, it's impressive for a Wii U. No, again, the Wii U is, it can do 1080p. It can do really nice. Some of the other games on it look great. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, it really doesn't look that spectacular at all as a game. It, some of the scope is nice, certainly, when you're looking at how big certain elements are, like the landscape and whatnot. And it's not that it looks bad. That's not what I'm trying to say. It has a, a very, again, anime feel to it, so it, it fits in. But in terms of the details, in terms of all kinds of things, and, and, and well, yeah, the art style as well does have an impact on that. I just did not find it was that graphically impressive it would just be eh, whatever it's fine it, but it, it didn't blow it me away like a really nice playstation 3 game oh no no it did not <laughs> no <laughs> i will argue that because I, I would there's some par with many uh non nino kuni jrpgs i played you know that's funny you say that because i was just thinking i could bring up nino kuni but that wouldn't yeah, be fair because it's a that, different style that is by far you know <laughs> the, the, yeah, that the, wouldn't be the fair. pinnacle but no, i disagree because i actually still turn on my ps3 routinely and i mean there's games on the ps3 well most of them look spectacular and i don't think this is even on par with those so uh, looking at it for me I, I would put it on par with stuff like final fantasy 13 uh, tales of exilia many other jrpgs uh, from a couple years ago which is where the wii is wii u is technologically yeah. so the the concept as well is one where in it started far stronger for me and then just got worse as it progressed. And a lot of that was because of tired old tropes that I've kind of had it with it. 
So there's elements that were cool. The elements of, again, this this idea of the Earth is caught between these two superpowers and there's not a damn thing they could do to protect themselves. So it's just they're taking off. So it's taking place in 2054, which if Back to the Future taught us anything now <laughs> after we passed <laughs> all of them, it's that we are not going to be this advanced in 2054. Yeah, I, I don't know where they came up with that year from because that's <laughs> <laughs> really like we're going to build these massive arcs around the world because all of a sudden we get along <laughs> and then tunnel through these that notwithstanding i mean it, it was it was enough for me personally that i'm like oh come on right from the get-go because again it started off cool and i'm like okay and then that and i'm like what year did you say it is bullshit buddy bullshit no, it's, it's 2054 on a completely different calendar it's it's over <laughs> two thousand years in the future let's uh, go with that because that's the only way this makes sense <laughs> so anyway so then there's only again only one arc gets through the other ones get get abolished by these these powers and then you find out later on that that one is hunted as well now you find out those powers actually the 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 aliens they didn't just well actually you don't find that out yet you find that out later on they didn't just come there to have their little fight their hissy fit they actually did want to extinguish the human race three hours into the game later you still don't know why they had it out for you. I maybe you pissed them off somehow with your radius singles. I don't know. Maybe I mean, they had dibs on it's Mars. Three hours into a seventy-ish hour game. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to get all the story revelations right off the bat. Well, see, and that's the other thing for me too is I found it so bloody freaking slow. Like at at the hour and the half mark, shit's just finally starting to happen. And I don't want to say of consequence, but at least it's something that you can sink your teeth into a little bit more than everything else. And in the video, too, to be fair, I don't know who did the video, but it's like this person was wasting time. They're like clicking I, through yeah. text pretty fast. It was like, whoa, 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 hold on a second, buddy. And uh, and going along and they didn't even talk to every single person person there they talked to a number of them at the base but not all of them so it's not like they were wasting time and it was like jesus christ this is taking forever for anything of importance to actually happen it's not it didn't seem all that outrageous to me really yeah well you play more of these types of games as well so you have more of a, yeah I, I, of in a keeping patience with the story progression of the genre it wasn't you know, it was perfectly in line, especially given how large and time-consuming this game can grow to be. Yeah. And then you find out that, well, you have your, the character creation was fairly impressive. I will give it that. There's there's quite a few options for you to personalize your, your avatar, whether you want it to be a, a man or a woman and, and how you want them to look. So that was cool. You've heard about the big controversy about the character creation, right? No, I did not. As part of the localization process, Nintendo of America removed the breast size slider mm. from the free, from the female models. I did hear that. And yet, ironically, the first outfit change. Boom, boobs. <laughs> like plunging V-necks. <laughs> and, and I know that's a JRBG thing. Well, it's a pff, gaming thing. But it, it for some reason, it, I, I almost Twittered about it. If I had a gaming blog, I would have written about it too. 
there's different tropes. That would have been why too. I was thinking about so many different tropes in this that I've kind of had it with. And this idea of female characters, their armor being shaped to reveal their chests. Games are no longer just made for 12 year old boys. There's some things that have to finally change. And this idea of, again, armor that is a stripper's outfit, but made out of metal. We got to get past this. It just, we have to get past this nonsense. And it was just one of those. Initially you're like, okay, this looks all right. And then first outfit change. It's like, oh, for fuck's sakes. <laughs> Maybe it was just me, but anyways. And then you find out immediately you're, you're having this moment with this, this Colonel, this Elma and you have amnesia. And that was the other one where it's like, oh, for fuck's sakes. How, all right, this is something that. That's such a trope. And and especially now in the year 2015, we still have the silent protagonist gag. Like that was just really out of place for me with everything else being voice acted and then just having the the nods. Like if it's a text only game and the main character doesn't talk, it's not that big of a deal. But in a fully voiced game, it really stands out. And they try to joke about that at different points. But it's like, again, you're trying to break the fourth wall and poke fun at it. But the fact is, it's still there. You're poking at fun at something stupid that you as developers have done. And the idea of that amnesia so that it can lead to all this exposition to explain to you everything that's happened. And inside of that hour and a half, I like I said, we were talking beforehand. I did watch the three hours, but I skipped through the battles throughout and a little bit of the exploration of, again, of the, the base later on, but not too, too much. But anyways, the uh, this idea where you have to have somebody explaining constantly everything that's happened. And inside of an hour and a half, they'd gone back to the flashback to what had happened on Earth three times. <laughs> You'd seen it three times and it was like, enough, we know. And it, it wasn't well executed at all but i will say the main character having some form of amnesia is kind of one of the core concepts of the xeno meta series it's been a major plot point throughout a lot of their games so again in keeping with the franchise specifically the character having amnesia i'm not against but it was not well executed at least in these first couple hours i would argue that there has to come a point where you let go of that and try something new it's it's a it's like the Pokemon game that it's the same goddamn game every release. Well, you should try to do better. Try to do something different. And this amnesia bullshit just didn't do it for me. We did get some very light, obviously, tutorial combat early on, where you see where it's her and this colonel working together to take things down. I didn't mind the combat. I like that you're hitting different points on the creatures as well kind of thing, so you can decide how you want to focus, fire it down, and things like that. So that I, I didn't mind the, the combat. I, think, I, I didn't feel it was anything spectacular, but we're also not seeing what's on the gamepad screen. So maybe there's mm-hmm. a little bit more there to make it more in depth. Who knows? But it was all right. Plus in my at least uh, visual approximation, the guy playing the game wasn't very good at the combat. No, there wasn't. When the NPCs are yelling at you, use your melee attacks to weaken it. And he's just sitting there with his auto attack on the rifle. I'm like, I, I wanted to reach the screen for someone. <laughs> 
I did. Uh, I did like Use the voice an aura. acting. What the fuck's an aura? Use an aura. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did find that the voice acting was well for everybody else except for you in the game was good. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's there's elements of cheesiness later on. Again, with these men in power that act all big and brash, but I mean, eh, it's par for the course. But overall, the acting wasn't bad. Um, How'd you feel about the lip syncing, Raj? I am. I was not expecting anything spectacular with that, so I really didn't. Well, given care. that they're they're mouthing Japanese words yeah. and saying English words, it's not going to match up. But no. in some places, it was real bad. <laughs> I actually didn't even it. Again, I was so unimpressed with the graphics overall that they were just meh that I really wasn't tearing that apart anymore. And that that didn't bother me at all. The only reason I kept noticing it is because I know it's one of your things. Yeah. Well, more so when it's a very realistic game mm-hmm. or if they try to do realism. When you're looking at an Alan Wake where they're trying to make it look far more realistic and the lip sync is like way off, then it's like, God. Damn, that's annoying. But an anime kind of thing, I'm so used to it with, you know, actual anime or whatever that, meh, whatever. I don't care. The the combat with companions was fairly cool, too, where you see that you have a team. You can have a team mm-hmm. of four and, and a roster kind of on the side, reserve roster. I kind of like that as well, too. And it does give you the option then of doing a lot more customizing your team depending on what it is that you're going to be doing. It's a fairly huge time sink as well when you're seeing them going through all of the abilities and then the outfits for your companions and for you and the weapons and everything else. Like you're going to waste a lot of time just doing that, I think, actually. That's that's the kind of shit I love, though. I love menus and RPGs. I want to make an RPG that's nothing but menus. Pretty sure somebody already beat that to you, actually. You're talking about Eve again? Yep. (laughs) That's that's not an RPG. That's I, I want to, you know. I want to save the world with menus. Yeah, I'm pretty sure somebody already beat you to that. <laughs> All right. Anyways, so this this Elmo winds up taking you back, and you find out that the 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 ship that crashed the White Whale is essentially the human base on this planet. The planet's Mira, and that's where they have set everything up. It's not explained immediately, but you find out later on and through yet again the flashbacks to the the arc escaping. And you see kind of there's that, that base that they make that the focal point when it crashes as well. And it's like a dome thing, which great idea if you're out in space. <laughs> Cover a city in glass, a glass dome. <laughs> Nothing could possibly go wrong there. But Clearly, it, you're not an anime fan. Yeah. So when they crash, most of the ship got damaged or strewn about or whatever, but that base, for the most part, did all right. And that's that winds up being, this killed me as well, it's New Los Angeles and L.A., they call it, because it's modeled after that, which I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> in, the, in, in the Japanese version, is it New Tokyo? Or is it still New Los Angeles? I'm, I'm going to look it up because there's no way it's as bad as New Los Angeles. Yeah. And and how is it modeled after Los Angeles? It's pretty small. <laughs> there, there's four quadrants, which it kills me too that there's like a shopping district. <laughs> they thought ahead. If we're taking the core of humanity so that we can repopulate our species, we're going to need a Starbucks. <laughs> 
Hey, retail <laughs> therapy is serious survival skills, okay? It's, it's so funny. And, like, the buildings are made out of, like, bricks. <laughs> it's not, like, anything lightweight kind of constructions or anything like that modern, like 2054 would be on this arc. No, it's, like, it looks pretty much like a downtown street in a city right now where they'd have cafes and stuff. I thought it was hysterical. So yeah, there's the different districts that you can kind of wander in around in. nothing really extravagant. Once again, it's the time that you're going to be spending in this game is not going to be exploring this city. Yeah. There's, there's, it's, it's not tiny, but it's really not that big a deal. I, again, that's how I felt. So the good news is Nintendo of America's localization isn't that bad because the bad news is in the Japanese version, it was called New Los Angeles. Oh, my God. Why? <laughs> because uh, of all the ships that were launched from Earth, um, they all had different points of origin and the White Whale was an American ship. So it was probably the first American city the Japanese developers could think of. Wow. All right. <laughs> All right, and then you you can wander around the city and things like that. You meet some of the people that you'll obviously be able to recruit if you want. Very typical military stuff as well. And this is where one of the other things that giant giant robots. I'm getting okay. Sorry, I got excited. See this? This is my page. I have notes. <laughs> I took. Three hours worth of notes, and I'm reading through my notes here. <laughs> so I'm under, and this is like old school shit because I was on the Windows <laughs> side. I didn't even save it on the computer, so I handwritten all this shit. So I got it there, Max. I, I, sorry, Vince I, I will want to talk about this. But the one of the the again a trope that I really dislike. It, you can do it well when you're talking about companions where there's a reason for this companion to follow you because they make a big deal once you go a little further in that, again, a survivor was found because those status pods that you were in that kind of got strewn all over the damn place, well, most of the people didn't survive. So when they find anybody, it's a big deal. And if you've ever watched any Battlestar Galactica, every life matters because if you're repopulating the species, (laughs) you need a certain amount. Otherwise, you better pack a lot of banjos. (laughs) Because there's going to be a lot of inbred people. (laughs) So you want as many people as you can find. So I can appreciate that this colonel, a very high-ranking woman in the the, the military, is, of course, she looks like a teenager or maybe a little bit older. But uh, she's going out and trying to find survivors. Awesome. Yes. And then she finds you and the two of you quest together kind of thing or kill some shit while she's leading you back to the base. But then her following you afterwards, after you've made choices of what you want to do, and all of a sudden this general that's your colonel that's really important and all that is tagging along with a nobody. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody knows anything about you. You're, and this person chose to play as a girl, which again looked like a teenage, a young teenage girl. And I know it has to be generalized to whoever or whatever you you don't know what you'd be getting, but still you're an unknown quantity and everybody that sees you is talking to you as if you're the next best freaking thing and you're going to save the human race. But there's no setup leading to that, that it makes sense that they'd be talking to you this way. I got nothing to say there. 
So, and you see that again when you meet the the, the big guy, the director general. But before him, yes, there's flying mechs. The crash landing was kind of cool, but then there's yet another trope. Who's the mechanic? Young girl. Of course. She's a protege. God damn it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. So, and, and that's something that she, this kid is trying to, again, later on, where she's giving you the, the tour and then talking about the mechs and all that. She's talking to you. And so this is a general about these mechs and that it's, it's there, it's a big deal and not anybody can do it. And you can, but they're talking to you as if, you know, you're going to be doing this soon. It's so clearly spoken in that way. And you're like, why would they be telling someone that they just brought in 30 minutes ago that they know nothing about, nothing at all about who might be a pastry chef that got, frozen just because she knew somebody. And so she got on this arc deal and yet they're telling you, you're going to be flying one of those someday. And it's like, what the fuck? Come on. To, to go back a bit. This reminds me of the thing I laughed about the most in this video, right at the beginning when uh, she first wakes you up out of the pod and you're like, Oh, you're having difficulty moving. Don't worry. We'll take it one step at a time. We'll go nice and slow. Now here, take this gun. (laughs) Yeah. Take the gun. And she runs out too. And I'm going, what happened to taking it slow there, buddy? Because that looked pretty good to me. <laughs> yeah. And the guns too are like these massive fucking things that would I'm okay with tip this. over anybody. I, yeah. Seeing that tiny woman run around, those two giant weapons attached to her back. I'm, I'm more okay right with, with it if she would have been dressed more as a mech kind of thing and then that's part of it. Or if it was a wild animation style where it would fit, but where you're trying to border on semi-realism of sorts kind of thing. It was just like, oh my God, especially the young girl, Lynn, and the massive weapon that would weigh more than her. And she's toting that around. And I'm like, oh, for crying out loud. And then you also the get to see. always has the biggest weapon. The on, massive, massive mechs as well. Apparently they come in different sizes. So this is me flipping. More. But but they can transform too. They didn't they didn't just give me mechs. They gave me transforming mechs. And you wondered if I was still interested in this game, Raj. You want to wax poetically for a few minutes? What what more can I say? But yeah, the uh the mechs in the game, or skells as they're referred to uh within the game's lore, are fucking awesome looking. But uh, I've seen some gameplay videos later on where yeah, they can transform it like these vehicles, motorcycles, cars, what have you, to uh, explore the giant open world they have. So it it just really looks freaking cool. I want it. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I can't break it down much more than robot transform gimme. <laughs> you can play a Transformers game that'd be better than this for that. I've already played them all. All right. So anyways, you get taken to Blade HQ. Blade. Actually, I will say this. They actually came up with a good acronym because it, what was it? It's the builders thing. Yeah, I don't remember, but it made sense. Builders of a legacy after the, the destruction of Earth. And I was like, damn, that was actually good. Maybe my my expectations were a little lower at that point. <laughs> so like when he talks about that, I'm going, hey, good. Good bit of writing there. <laughs> Keep it up. 
please. I thought it was just going to be one of those random words that was spelled in all caps for no reason because anime. <laughs> I thought it'd be like shield or hammer. <laughs> what does that stand for? Whatever you want, honey. It's a shield actually at least stands for something. Shield has stood for a lot of different things. They yes, keep changing it, it to make it more make sense, so, which means it didn't initially – so that's why. You see that there's a lot of customization for the classes as well. It almost looks like mm-hmm. subclasses you can choose from and things like that. So that's kind More of More menus. I There you go. And, and <laughs> see, this is where, again, I was noticing more the music. And it was just ticking me off. It, it just did not fit. And mm-hmm. it was – it got annoying for me. It didn't get annoying, but it was noticeably out of place. I'll give you that much. And then the, I mean, Blade HQ, before you actually get in, typical kind of quest hub, except it's kind of scattered. Although there's a quest hub within this quest hub, you can go to a holographic kind of bounty board that gives you all kinds of information. One of the things that I found kind of cool is around this spot where she's talking to somebody, and you had to kind of pay attention as well, you find out that different weapons are actually going to do better in different weather conditions. I thought, mm-hmm. that's kind of cool, actually. That really adds a layer of depth then to your outside, be it questing, grinding, whatever it is you're going to do. I don't know about you guys, but again, you were saying how, again, the the lack of your voice makes a difference. But I also wasn't crazy about the 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 conversation menus either. <laughs> it, it, you could, if you could call them. Yeah, back. it's like you're either inquiring, discussing, or nothing and it was just i don't know it was it felt for again i keep going back to we're in a time where even if you've gotten several of these games under your your belt you know there's different mechanics that you got to look and say just damn near 2016 there has to be a better way of doing this that isn't so damn clunky and that's how this felt it was just very jarring the trans transitions air quotes because there aren't any (laughs) we're just like yeah it it was really awkward i would have liked to is this a wii u exclusive or is it coming out on Mm -hmm. any other see man why not nintendo owns monolith soft now why not make use of that gamepad and actually put the quest dialogue on there with mm-hmm. a much better menu system that you can tap through and easily get to whatever is being said, whatever quest or whatever. There's no reason to have to to do it this way. I know it does make use of the gamepad. I don't know to what extent, but uh, I, I don't know. But I know it does have gamepad functionality. Mm-hmm. Don't know if the guy playing this game was using the gamepad or not. But. Yeah, it's hard to tell. So this is when you go into Blade HQ as well, going back to my earlier point, you're talking to, to Secretary Nagi, who is the first adult that you come across, <laughs> really, because the rest are all kids. And and well, this, uh, maybe that's all that survived, Roger. Yeah, Did you think of that? Sure, sure. It's a bunch of teenagers trying to repopulate Earth. We'll if be that fine. were true, there would be freaking beer cans strewn all over the place. There'd be toga parties in the corner. It'd be a mess. So especially if they're coming from L.A., it would not be pretty. <laughs> There'd be souped out freaking Nissans on the corners in the shopping district. Neon so those would lights. be the best scales around, let me yeah. tell you. But again, it kills me because it's like, she seems capable. We should get her working. What are you talking about? She seems capable. You just met her. And oh, by the way, she has amnesia. <laughs> Have we mentioned that? 
I think she could probably still handle herself well in the fight. She she Shut could up. barely walk, and she was killing things in, in the first in the yeah, first combat. She must be good. <laughs> and you find out also that it's been two months on the planet, and that they have been actually rebuilding and fixing up New Los Angeles. Apparently, the crash did do some harm, but even then, you're thinking two months. It's again, your timelines are like. I know that they say later too they're using the scales to help rebuild the city and all that and things like that, but it's like no way. I, I those things move like molasses in wintertime when you're watching them. And there's no way in hell that they're rebuilding this city that fast. And uh and so then you also find out how there's different things going on with the city, this project Exodus thing to try to colonize the the planet. And so there's a lot of different things that they're working towards and you're sent off to activate a beacon so that they can map the planet. And that's where I was talking about that is at an hour and a half in of no dicking around whatsoever, an hour and a half. And finally you're getting a quest to go and do something. And even then you don't even, you don't go directly. Well, I guess he could have, or she could have, whoever was playing, but the, they kind of wandered around a little bit because it encourages it because there's people that want to talk to you all over the damn place. But yeah, an hour and a half in and you're finally getting a quest to do something of consequence. And it was like, yeah, to me, I know you're saying it's like 70 hour game, but that's still, that's, I still found it too long, especially for a game that utilized so many goddamn tropes throughout that it was like, Oh man, I, again, by this point, and I'm not even at the three hour mark at this point. I'm like, the only way I can see myself picking up this game now is if it's a pretty damn good sale. Hmm. I say it, it, I can see how this video wouldn't sell someone on the game, but at least for me, it also didn't detract from my willingness to buy it. Right. Okay. But so, yeah, I, I will fully admit the first three hours uninterrupted is not terribly interesting. <laughs> but I, I, it's also I, possible that as much the problem of the person playing it too as it is the game itself. To, to, yes, to no, some but, extent, yeah. To some extent, but yeah. But it, the, if, the overall pacing of the plot is, that's and that's the thing. Player. Yeah, it's the game. Like the person playing wasn't doing anything wrong when they were wandering around talking to people because it's not like they were kind of like smelling roses, not that any grow there. They were going from person to person and getting their stories, going immediately inside, talking to Nagi and whoever else. And the only time they kind of wandered a little bit was when they were more outside. And even that, that was for the exploration and to find the, whatever those gems were that they were finding. I didn't, I didn't notice that. So they might not have been good in combat, but that has no bearing whatsoever with the story leading up to that, in my opinion. So, and then you go out, I, I like how they, again, it's exposition all to high hell, but when they're explaining their version of elite creatures, the tyrants, and how the tyrants will have one ability, one trait that makes it that much more powerful than the normal one of its kind kind of thing. So it was kind of interesting, uh, although the fight didn't look that hard. But, I mean, it's pretty early in the game as well. So who knows later on what it'll be like. Mm-hmm. And, again, you you mentioned the all you do is nod and, and you don't speak. That just, that gets more annoying as the game goes on. It, it, it really kind of hurt me quite a bit. 
it's, so it, it's it's a trope of the past that worked in the past when games weren't fully voiced. Yeah. So now when a game is fully voiced and you have one character that's obviously not talking, it really stands out. Yeah. So you wind up going back and when you're turning in your quest and whatnot, and that's about the time when you get to decide if you want to join them and, and what path you want to go on. And there's eight, they call them divisions that you basically, it's your class that you're choosing kind of thing. Really kind of, obviously the, the names even will explain it. You're looking at pathfinders, interceptors, harriers, reclaimers, curators, prospectors, outfitters, or mediators, and you can choose between them as you want and switch as well kind of thing. So it, it gives you enough options by the look of it that you can do a lot of different things that will have hopefully consequence in the game in terms of what it means for your character leveling up kind of thing. So I, I kind of liked that, but we didn't see enough of that going forward. At least I didn't in this video kind of thing. I don't know mm-hmm. if we've seen more in other videos to know just how different each of these paths are. One would assume, say the mediator would have questing significantly different than say the prospector. It would make sense to me. So maybe that means that you'll get that much more playing whether it be different characters or the same one if you switch. It's possible, but I'm not sure. So, Anyways, any parting thoughts, Vince? I, I'm still really excited to play it. I'm really happy for six or so months from now when I get a Wii U and I can actually do so. What is the biggest draw for you, though, and mechs notwithstanding? What is, and I know that takes a lot <laughs> off the plate, but what then is the biggest draw for you? For me, it's also a lot more personal because Monolith Soft and the people behind the company, the developers, going way back years ago when they were parts of Square, made one of my favorite games ever. So I'm going to stick by them until they prove that uh, they still don't have it. And thus far, they've lived up to expectations across several different companies and systems. Okay. Joe? Yeah, honestly, it's about the same for me as it is for Vince. Like, again, there wasn't any one thing that was a a silver bullet as far as like, yep, this is what I need to play. Uh, but I again, I didn't see anything that really turned me off. And it was one of those things where I got pretty much what I expected out of it. So I'm kind of OK with it. Like, yeah, I'm going to play it. I'm going to be very happy to dust off my Wii U and actually give it some action. Oh, and I want to be able to play the Wii U more. I really, really do. And a game that makes that that makes that worthwhile is what I'm looking for. If I can get something that looks better on the PS4 or the Xbox One, then I'm going to pick it up, obviously, for that. And also, I obviously much prefer the controllers for either of those over the fucking Wii U console controller, <laughs> which, again... It has its uses if it could make proper use of it, but often it it just doesn't kind of thing. But I still, I want a game that, well, that's, that's what I mean too. Something that does make good use of what makes that console unique. And I don't want graphics to suffer because of it. I don't want a, a game that's not as good as a JRPG or something that I can get on another console just because, well, it's the best that this console has. And there were just way too many tired tropes that I'm tired of that it's like, uh, and it just, it didn't look good enough to warrant me being excited about it either. So 
for me, it again, I've saved some money. Not that I would have picked it up immediately, but I was thinking that I, I'd pick it up soon enough if I had the money. And I looked at it and I went, nope, not going to happen. Let's move on to a game, though, that we are all enjoying. As I said, just last week, we are going to be talking about Fallout more often as we are coming across different quests and different storylines that it's be are... a weekly segment. It might oh, be yeah. for D&D sessions to talk about Fallout. That's all right. I'm all right with that. So... <laughs> I, I, again, I've been, uh, well, I've gotten things of, well, not slowed down, but enough so that I could get back to my writing as well for Nano Remo for the month. So I did more writing, so not quite as much um, fallout since last week, but I did put in some hours and did some spectacular questing. <laughs> so we're going to have spoilers and that's just the way it is once again. And we're going to spoil shit for each other, but who the hell cares at this point? I got to do more of the questing for the main quest line. And I actually got to do the quests that you were talking about, Vince, last week, where you go up to the top of the tower. And oh. then you come all the way down using the... With, uh, with Rex and Strong? Yeah. So, Rex? Oh, yes, yes, yes. The Shakespearean Yeah, guy. the actor, which I thought was hysterical. <laughs> really? <laughs> So, so did did knowing what I went through, did you make sure that all your companions made it down with you? No, that's a thing. But they <laughs> followed me anyway. So okay. I I was able to get all the way through. But I had um, Preston with me and and he just stayed at the top. And it was like, buddy, if you can't run as fast as we do to get in this stupid thing, then you deserve to stay up there. And uh, And I didn't... I didn't do a lot of the fighting going down. You were probably supposed to do more. Oh no, fighting. I ducked behind. The- <laughs> For me, it was more, I want to survive this. <laughs> That's all I care about. So there was a lot of hiding. I did go into the building a few times, to clear a few guys, but that was a bloody hard freaking scenario. I found. Oh yeah. The super mutants don't mess around. Those Dude, super mutants are fucking ridiculous in this game. Well, here's the thing though. Since super mutants are more resistant to energy damage than anything else, I had Paladin Dance's badass laser rifle from the Brotherhood quest line. So oh, it was yes. at least a little easier for me. Because I, I have you still done that? Not done that, Raj? Sorry, which one? To join the Brotherhood at the police station? Oh, dude, no, I haven't done that yet. Totally got to get down with Commander Dan. Commander Dan's awesome. No, I haven't finished that yet. Dance Lightyear? <laughs> yes. But I already have an energy weapon, anyways. Mm-hmm. That I got. No, his, his is really good. It builds. Dude, the, what, what is it? Like fifty percent faster. No, the righteous authority. It builds crit authority. faster and does fifty yep. percent extra crit damage. Ooh, okay. And the mods you so I, I was basically you up that damage crazy yeah. high. Like I, I was building up crits and then just one shotting super mutants with headshots. Okay. You know what? I did find one flaw with that weapon, though. Glowing ghouls. I haven't gotten it, any of those yet. Oh, you're going to fucking hate it. I, I I have a vast arsenal available to me. Yeah. yeah so but I. that weapon is like singularly purposed to destroy super mutants. Oh, yeah. Huh. I and was using the three crank one. Which that that's awesome, a pain in the ass. Man, I don't like it. I do not like the, uh, it, the laser it's musket. It's hard. That motherfucker hurts when you hit, mm-hmm. especially if you've got the two I, I and a half times from sneak. 
if you I put upgraded points it in that. to the the four crank model, and I was just destroying stuff until I got a proper laser rifle. Okay, yeah, because I I do enjoy it. Because nothing pisses me off more than cranking a bunch of times, loading a bunch of rounds into it, and then missing the goddamn shot. Yeah, well, there is that. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, it's annoying. I actually. And to let people know as well, because I mentioned the console command, so you can increase your encumbrance by a thousand. You can put it higher. I cranked it up another thousand, so I'm above two thousand now. Justin yep, so said, Justin just said five thousand right from the get go. Just screw that because he's playing upstairs on on his computer. But uh, it, that makes all the difference in the world. Suddenly, the game is not a- as irksome for for that bullshit, and you also get to to keep all your weapons and just carry every, I've got freaking too many guns on me just because I happen to pick one up somewhere. <laughs> and it's like, who cares? And for a game where the guns are a large part of the fun and playing with all manner of different guns is fun. Then mm-hmm. you want to be able to have them with you and do whatever you want. And yeah, so like, it makes a huge difference. Right now on console, half of my carrying limit is just my gear. Oh yeah. yeah. It's, I've gotten much more efficient with knowing what to pick up and what not to pick up, but it's still, it's still something I would rather not deal with. And I don't mean like, I I wish I could raise the encumbrance limit. I just wish the entire system I didn't have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't liked encumbrance since D and D second edition. Not, not going to lie. I actually had a pretty heated argument with one of my coworkers today about that because he overheard me talking to, to one of my guys on my team about the fact that I raised my carry limit and he was like, oh, you're just breaking your immersion from the game. I'm like, no, immersion? no I'm not. Immersion? I, I'm like, where's I'm the immersion really, of carrying well, a rocket launcher, a minigun, four shotguns? That's what exactly I said. I was like, you know, because I'm really totally breaking that immersion from carrying around a fucking mini nuke, you know? That just really snaps me out of it when I pick up that ashtray and, you know, I'm not weighed down instantaneously and can't fucking run because I picked you up know, an ashtray. See, the, the encumbrance thing, that immersion that they talk about next time that they bring that up, makes sense when you go back to, because I believe they did it in Morrowind. Once you mm-hmm. hit your encumbrance limit, that's it. You couldn't move. So you're stuck there. So you had to drop sure. something. That makes sense. But here, you can keep walking. You're just not moving very fast. That there, boom. Your there, logic is shot right then and there. There is no walk in this game longer than the walk from where you became encumbered to where your companion is to unload shit. On. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, yeah, I, I've been using a wide variety of guns. One of my new favorites as well is a six-shooter from Kellogg. So there's hmm. a little bit of spoiler for you there. Because oh yeah yeah his uh the, the same gun yeah okay that a that gun is phenomenal it is yeah it has is, a pretty high damage stat too is that one nice. of those guns that you can put a long stock on and make yes. it a okay good because I put all of my points into rifles <laughs> you oh. can you can you can take the six shooter and actually put a long stock on it so that you can fire it like a rifle and I, I really the love that about the game, how you can turn amount. a pistol into a rifle and vice versa I I love the modification system I just yeah. wish the ingredients for the modifications weren't so infuriating console commands again (laughs) (laughs) i have not done that yet but i if i have to i will i there's no mm, should i should no fuck yeah i give me a thousand rubber bands or whatever the hell i need to make this work because this is stupid so but but i've been picking up because i'm not over encumbered all of the things (laughs) 
I don't care what it is. If freaking <laughs> Valentine keeps making snide remarks on like, do we really need that? <laughs> Shut up or I'll scrap you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I, again, that, that, that gun from Kellogg is awesome. I was taking off out freaking death claws with it and fairly well as well. So it was like, okay, I like this gun. And that quest line. Oh, well, I'm assuming you've finished that one, Vince. No. No? Okay. I, Joe, I, I actually haven't, haven't played too much since we last talked, and most of what I've done is the uh, railroad quest line. Here's the cool thing about here is that one of the one of the things I like about Fallout 4 is that there are very, three very distinct quest branches very early on that you can split off on depending on what your choices are and what your charisma is and stuff like that. So, like, you might not get to those quests that, like, I'm getting to and stuff like that just based off of where you went, which is kind of cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's three very distinct branches off the main storyline. There's the Brotherhood, the Institute, and uh, the Minutemen. And the Minutemen... And the rail- no, there's, you forgot the Railroad. There's four. The Railroad kind of ties into somewhere between the... Uh, the Railroad ties in with the Institute. Yes. Because I'm yes, doing the Institute stuff now. But they're polar opposites. If you ally with one too much, you'll become hostile to the other. Right, but I'm saying like it's included inside of that that story arc. It's considered part okay. of that branch, as far as like the way they they view the game, or at least the way they were talking about it before. I thought that was more that those are the side quests, but the stuff with the institute, with the nope. trying to recapture your son, is the main storyline. Nope, there is the main well, storyline that there's the main storyline that that goes all the way through, and then there's um, basically up to the point where you get to, I forgot what the fuck the quest is, but you have to build like a Mm -hmm. teleporter or something like that. And then there are three breaks and it's either you're going to follow the brotherhood, you're going to follow the Minutemen or you're going to follow the Institute. And it's going to be one of the others. It's Um, it's not like elder scrolls where there's one main storyline and each of the factions have their mm -hmm. own individual storyline. The ending of the main storyline is going to depend on which faction you ally with. Right. And all of them loop back to the same, um, the same goal, right? Like you're still, you still have the same goals. It's how you got there and how that affects that, that end point, which I think is kind of cool. Um, so there, it, there, this is the first fallout game that I felt had replayability, not just continued playability. Mm-hmm. After I found that out, uh, it feels more like a RPG game and less like a Skyrim, which I'm completely okay with. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I've been doing the Institute stuff and, because I was doing the Minutemen stuff, Minutemen stuff early on, and I we were talking about that last week, how it's just a plot device to get you to explore kind of thing. Then I started doing the stuff with trying to get your son back, and that questing has been spectacular. Mm-hmm. Not just, oh, it's a little good. It's amazing. So, Vince, you had started the Valentine stuff, Still exactly where I was. Really? Last time we okay. I've, I I had a quest log full of side quests that weren't going to complete themselves, and uh, in trip, typical Bethesda style, in completing those side quests, I gained twice as many new ones. Right. Yeah. Well, the stuff with Valentine, it's no surprise he becomes a companion, so he mm-hmm. goes with you, and he's a early model synth that was kind of discarded but he's like very sentient and just <laughs> this old detective dude kind of thing, private eye from the fifties, obviously, cause that's what this is all from. And it just 
It is so much fun questing with him and talking to him. And his entire quest line was great. There's a, a point where you can talk to him and like get more information about his path past as well. That is really, it's long, but it was, I loved it. I just got a hilarious new companion, uh, Deacon, the guy that joins you uh, when you join the railroad. And he's like their information guy and he's really big on like conspiracies and you know, security and whatnot. He's, he says he always goes to the plastic surgeon a couple times a year to change his face. So when he's your companion, every time you look at him, he's wearing a different outfit, like in the field, <laughs> in combat. He's totally, I, I turned around he's totally and I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Oh, Okay. <laughs> How many times have you shot him? I have to know. Way too many. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I, I'm, I'm really digging the railroad stuff, though, of their storyline of them being the ones who get the synths away from the Institute and help them like live their own lives and become like their own individual people. Like, it's, well, that's where it's, I'm at now. But how I don't know how you were able to get to that without doing what I've already done, because you can, um, I picked up a radio signal. Yeah. Or no, no, no. I was wandering around Diamond City and it was one of those little miscellaneous objectives you get from eavesdropping on people. Yeah, they talked about the, the, the Freedom Road or whatever. And yeah. I went on this really cool tour of downtown Boston and all these historical sites following the Freedom Trail until I got to the railroad. See, that's when you get to a certain spot with the Institute questing to get your son back, it mm-hmm. tells you to go to the Freedom Railroad and follow that for more clues. So it organically loops to where you've already gotten. Mm-hmm. So that's kind that's of cool. interesting. Yeah. There's a lot Weird. of cool stuff about the game about how it leads you to different places just by wandering too. Uh, you'll see this as your son starts talking more about like the questing. He'll get to those points. He'll get to those points where he'll organically just fall into the storyline somewhere. Like the game is, you can you can ignore it if you want, but the game does a really really good job of making sure that you're still connected to the major plot points while you're doing other things, like you know going to find you know swan's pond and deciding to go say hi you know stuff like that like you can still loop into the main story while going mm-hmm. to explore which is really really cool because it gives you a fifth way to play this game it's like, it's know. fantastic design mm-hmm. it really I mean, is it's, it's narrative level design is what it is like they they looked at the the narrative and the story as their path through the game instead of you know a physical uh map or whatever they it's a it's a theoretical map based on the, the narrative, and that's brilliant. Now, I will say one thing that I did love about this game. I accidentally found my way into Hubris Comics, and um, so I stole myself a Grognax axe, and I stole myself a Grognax uh, loincloth thing. The loincloth oh has more fucking armor and more radiation resistance than my goddamn rail suit. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is the funniest goddamn thing ever because what i did when i created my characters i pumped all of my points into perception uh charisma and agility and i said fuck everything else and i went hard on lock picking because i'm like there are so many interesting things i can get just by being able to pick a lock turns out grognax axe is one of them and it does a crazy amount of damage like i'm baseball swatting like ghouls into the fucking sunset and i'm like i haven't (laughs) modified my health at all my strength at all and like i'm sitting there and they're like clawing at me and i'm taking like no damage whatsoever i had a nuke blow up in my face i took like almost no fucking damage like it's the greatest goddamn thing ever 
Hammer. Where is I'm, this comic place? Yeah, seriously, uh, right because the, I have a collection okay, of comics it's, it's, that needs to it go with this It is literally just west of Swan's Pond. Okay. So if you go to Swan's Pond, head left, it's pretty much right there. I can probably figure out a map for you. Um, it. But it's like a little bit south and west, right before you get to that little church area. There's actually in behind as well, there's a pastry shop, Wicked Pastries. And I was like, oh, God damn, I don't have time, but I want to go in there so bad and see what's <laughs> left. Of course, there is also a bookstore that I went into that was burnt. And I thought I've I'd... come across so many locations that I've just had to tell myself, I'll come back later to explore this. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing, too. When I was talking to Tristan, I was saying, like, you should do some of the questing because they're so good. And he was saying, you remember the city that you got to? And it, it wasn't the first one. It was the next one after that because he'd been Lexington. beside me when I got. And I and I had said, like, look at how fucking I didn't use that language. But I said, look at how big this is. Like, it would take forever for me to go through it all. Just to, well, to thankfully, to most of the buildings in Lexington are boarded off. Yeah, but they're yeah, still. Well, God. he was saying he was still he still had houses to go through but oh, yeah. he'd been doing mainly that and inside he'd find a whole bunch of different things and be it quests or or, or monsters or, or who knows so yeah it's like there's just so much to do but lexington's where i, I did, encountered my first glowing one by accident and that made me very unhappy so here's the important question roger have you gone to go hit on linda carter yet <laughs> no i haven't ah <laughs> uh, i don't know where that place is I, it's on my map I, it, <laughs> and I, like it was like, i think it was another one of those eavesdropping things where they said oh yeah this town over here okay. like it's on my map but it's a place i haven't been to yet so i'm i, I heard about it somewhere i'll have to find a radio nowhere. station or i don't know yeah i'll have to find it and go because i can't even hear her music on diamond city radio mm. so and yes maybe it might be one of those things where it doesn't show up on the radio until you've gotten to the town it's possible alicia yes travis is my waifu Tristan <laughs> came downstairs yesterday and said, I did the questing for Travis. And I was like, shh, 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 shh. <laughs> this is what you're doing. This is what I want you to do. <laughs> Just don't, don't do it. <laughs> but he was like, it's awesome. So I'm like, okay. All right. Good. So, but getting back to the um, Institute quest line as well, where you are looking for your son, some interesting things happen there. <laughs> There's some things I don't want to spoil, but there's some very, very interesting tidbits that you come across. And Am I even close to right with my crackpot theory? You might be. Okay. You, well, no, you're right in one regard. The other remains to be seen. You know, okay. I'm I'm curious. I, I think I didn't listen to last week's episode. What I was Vince's crackpot theory? Either you and or your son is a synth. So... There's mm. things that come to light that are like, hmm, that could be a couple of different things. I don't want to assume, but yeah. And because it's no surprise when you are, again, when you're in the chamber and the baby gets taken away and you see that, the dude who shoots your wife, that's Kellogg. That's his name. Okay. So when you are talking to Valentine, he's asking you, okay, so because you're essentially working with him. You're hiring, but you know, whatever for, for him to help you find your son. And, um, when he asks you, okay, well, what do you remember of the guy? And you describe him. They're like, oh my God, do you remember if his name was Kellogg? And then you have to go finding all kinds of clues on Kellogg to track him down and, and things like that. And all of that is phenomenal. 
All right, like, I'm going to have to do some main story grinding, it sounds like. There are some parts where, and again, I, it's, it's hard to talk about without spoiling different things, but there's some things you just kind of, you have to experience them on your own. Suffice it to say, loot everything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Always <laughs> loot all of the things. Because something you loot is going to come in pretty damn handy at some point and going to lead to some freaking awesome trippy experiences that was like that was freaking awesome that was cool as shit and then again it leads you obviously to to kellogg's at at different points too and you get his armor set and weapon are spectacular like his armor set has an amazing amount of stats on it very very good as well so it is freaking awesome and then you do the whole synth thing as well like going to fight a goddamn synth dude as well, which was very matrixy kind of at points, but freaking awesome. Back some good goddamn weapons because you're going to need them. <laughs> Motherfuckers tough to kill even on normal. So, so yeah. And then that led me then to the, uh, the railroad stuff, which I, I like that tie to the underground railroad, to the reality of mm-hmm. what that was to save people and sending them to Canada. Let's send all the synths to Canada. <laughs> They'll be safe there. That's why Canadians are so weird and polite. They're artificial. Oh, they're all synths. <laughs> all of them. We're programmed to be polite. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's some of the like amazing questing that I've been, I've been doing since just last week. Plus, I've upgraded my my garage. It looks even a little bit better now. I, I, I'm strongly considering moving into the drive-in at this point because I haven't found another town I like better. I still I, I I need to pick a place soon though. Yeah, because I'm I've all of a sudden I've got like two or three more people in my place since I put the the beacon up. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, God damn it, I'm gonna have to settle here now because I, I can't leave them to die. But yeah, I wish I would have started right from the get-go in the, the drive-in. My my second playthrough on my other character definitely set up in the drive-in. Yeah, see, I haven't even picked like a, a firm place to settle down yet. Mostly because I'm afraid that if I abandon like uh, Mama Murphy and all them, they're just going to like die. I'm okay with this. <laughs> yeah, Mama Murphy? At this point, yeah, she's a little annoying. <laughs> I'm all right with her. Well, you just keep feeding her jet until she ODs. Does she actually? Yes. Um, or is that just yeah, sarcasm? Yeah, she does. Really? <laughs> I she, she, Mama, Mama Murphy, I don't mind. It's those other assholes. Like June Long and Sally, oh, what's her name? Her. Like, oh my fuck, God. Oh God, fuck, fuck her so hard. I saved your life and all you can do is insult me every time you walk past me on the street. Like, I don't yeah, even walk I'm up to her. I'm just walking by fuck and she like you. stops and looks at me and says some smart ass comment. I hope raiders come to this town. Okay, so one of the other ones that I was doing is you you have to go look for a clue and you have to talk to a scientist. And this is to get you information on the Institute and how to get to the Institute because that's a big mystery as well. How do you actually get to them? Don't want to spoil that either, but it is a big <laughs> story element. So you have to go talk to this scientist dude. Corner of the map that you haven't explored yet High radiation, so bring your suit, and they tell you. And this time I was paying attention, so I brought the fucking suit and I listened. (laughs) I actually found an actual hazmat suit now too, so I'm good. Oh, awesome. Okay. And so you go down there, and and yeah, radiation is off the charts. There's actually a legendary scorpion there as well that you can kill too that has an awesome freaking weapon. And 
you go and you talk to a bunch of people who live there where there's like a little cult thing, steal all their shit. And then they send you to even like beneath f- the planet of the apes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Further into the, the, the green zone to go find him. Cause he's not even there. So you're going into even more radiation to get him freaking death claws all over the goddamn place coming at you two at a time. And you finally found, find a cave and that's where he is. So I go into the cave and there's like can traps to alert him. There's, there's, uh, a couple of turrets. So I'm like, shit. So I go in and I just go in guns blazing. And then this freaking super mutant motherfucker starts shooting at me like crazy. <laughs> so we're having this fight, but you don't kill him. And you realize that's the dude you're supposed to come for. So then <laughs> he's just yellow at that point, but he's just like crouched over and he's not talking to you. So it's like, fuck. So I go in and I'm thinking, okay, well, I guess I'm supposed to look for clues or whatever. So I try to look around and, I can't find shit that would make this work. So finally it's like, screw that. So he, and he comes back to full health at one point and you don't realize that. And son of a bitch killed me at that point. So I was like, fuck. So I start back just outside the cave again. And this time I just disabled the cans and I was like, I wonder if I could just go in and you can talk to him. And when you go to talk to him, all of a sudden you realize it's like this, it's the doctor, but he's like a super mutant kind of thing. So he looks like big green, but he's got like Clark Kent glasses, <laughs> <laughs> but there's no frame. It's just the frames. The, the actual glasses part are broken, but he still wears them. <laughs> and then you have this great discussions with him about it. And again, you can choose to be honest with him. Or try to, to screw with him. I've been playing this guy so that he's wearing his heart on his sleeve. He lost his son. He wants his son back. And he's willing to tell anybody and like, help me find my son. And I kind of am really digging that aspect of the character. So when it opens up those story elements with other characters, you get to see how they react to that, which is pretty cool as well. And when with this guy, it was like immediate boom, he's on your side. And he'd like something from you as well later on, of course, because they all do to continue the question, but it was freaking awesome. Just, and again, shows you how you go in guns blazing. You're not going to get what you need necessarily, but the option is there if you want to, or you can just go in and be nice, which is going to be a stretch for you. But listen, I have, you know, I didn't even have to say who I was talking to. I've been (laughs) relatively okay. I, I haven't killed anybody that didn't deserve it. I actually, And my second playthrough, I already told my son, I'm going to be going in and just be the asshole in the game and just kill everybody. Remember, most of my points are in intelligence and charisma. I can't go in guns blazing. (laughs) Yeah, you don't. uh, Did you put more into charisma again to get it up to 10? Not yet. See, I was telling Tristan that too. And again, he, he keeps telling me stories of different quests where he's able to use the red dialogue options that lead to fantastic story elements. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to be doing that for my next one. Although the yeah, next one's like a six in charisma right now. Yeah. Next playthrough. I've, I've had just... to put some points into my combat abilities because I was getting wrecked. Yeah, I've got a number of points in different combat things. So when, and I've got the one too where you can, you get, oh, is it 50% more damage on your second target in VATS? So if you mm. one one shot into the first guy and then the rest into the other. And holy Christ, does it make a difference? Especially if you're doing it from sneak. Oh, brutal. I love it. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) So what are some of the 
good ones then. Joe, what have you done that's been really, truly spectacular? Honestly, the uh, I haven't really hit anything that's been like, oh, my God, this is so great, just because I've been doing a lot of running around. Um, but I'm trying to think of what the best one is. So, that's so how much of the map have you explored then, relatively speaking? Maybe like 20, 30 percent so oh, far. Not that much then. No. Okay. Well, I mean, that's because a lot of the areas have a lot of shit that's going to oh, kill yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Get, yeah. So it makes it hard getting through. Um, yeah, I don't know what I think would be the best thing so far. I really don't. You've been doing, I'm assuming, the Minutemen stuff or the... Uh... Yeah, I've been doing the... The Minutemen stuff's okay. Like, the Minutemen stuff is is kind of... Um, trying to think how to phrase it. It's... It's a plot device to get you to explore the map. Yeah, it really... I mean, that that you hit the nail on the head there. Um, it's kind of... I mean, it is cool. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm about... I'm at the... Uh, where you have to go take the castle back now. That's where and, I'm at with the Minutemen. And that's going to be a hard slog because you have to take out the stupid fucking Meyer Alert Queen thing. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's been kind of interesting. But most of the most of the stuff, it's like, oh, go help this person. And it's these bandits stole our shit. Go take it back. Yeah. Um, one of the cool things, though, is uh, did you I organically found the uh, the farm that's not too far away from uh, uh, the first major city. And uh, you find out that the it's basically a father and a mother. And uh, you find out that the daughter was killed, mm. uh, and uh, you basically he he begs you to go like get her her locket back, and then you know I have that hey, locket. Yeah, I have the locket. I, I found the farm. Nobody was there, and then I yeah. just randomly found the locket. I guess I need to go back to that damn farm then. Well, here's the thing: sometimes they'll run and hide, depending on when the raiders are through. So, like the raiders will patrol through that area, and what wound up happening was I actually found a pack of them. And I just kind of like got into combat and that's how I found the farm is because he thanked the father thanked me for like saving them from, you know, that initial battalion or or initial group. And then he was like, here's the location of the rest of them. I want you to go murder the fucking shit out of every single one of them because they killed my daughter. Oh, done. Check. They're dead. Bring me back the locket. (laughs) Yeah. And he gave like he gave me like sacks of food, potatoes, corn. Uh, carrots like he gave me enough shit that i was actually able to plant stuff which was cool uh and then i have a new place that i can fast travel to and turn that shit into glue (laughs) i can do that as well i can do plant starch Uh, (laughs) although i'm sitting on something like 300 uh 300 sticky stuff so but i mean it it was kind of cool because it was one of those it was one of those interesting things where it's like that's kind of it's a trope in and of itself because it's very very much stereotypical of the post-apocalyptic future where you know raiders will rape and kill the pretty young thing um but then it's like you get to actually go and exact revenge and it was a tough slog through that place too because i was a little under level and uh one of the uh, the female raider leader there had a fucking minigun before i got before i had mine really <laughs> And uh, that was interesting. And uh, she killed dog meat a couple times. It made me very angry. If I'm remembering correctly, I think I just killed her with a couple grenades. Yeah, I, uh, I realized that I had a cryo grenade that I don't know how the fuck I got. And so I just threw it in there and she froze and I just went in there and wailed on her with a fucking security baton until she exploded. <laughs> <laughs> grenades are stupidly good in this game. Yes, they are. Oh, yeah. Both for you and the assholes who have infinite supplies of them and just keep launching them in your direction. <laughs> Where was it? I was fucking Raiders and their Molotov cocktails are just insufferable. Like I ran a full oh, city God. block because they just kept They're lighting so everything on fucking fire. Accurate with those goddamn things. How? Actually, when you are fighting Kellogg, 
you're going up against Kellogg and a couple of his synths. And those son of a bitch have an endless supply of grenades. It's like you stand there and they, and one shot you're gone. And it's annoying as all hell. You have to really kite him to, to get it, to, to get him down, which is going to be brutal for people who have a build like my son. That's much more mealy. Fuck that. You know what I'm going to do? Grognak's fucking loincloth. <laughs> Bring it, Kellogg. I'm going to take your fucking head off. And yes, Alicia, I've got more comic books that I've been collecting as well. Like I said, I keep them in the rack by the crapper. So Ooh, I don't know about you guys. Um, total non sequitur. Have you been on Reddit at all? Checking out the settlements, uh, the settlement yeah. subreddit for Fallout 4? No. So people have done some really cool shit, like creating their their own personal settlements and homes. Oh, yeah. I've seen some videos, too, of the ones. Well, I was just talking about that on Twitter this morning and you, too. I didn't mention it per se what it was, but like I'm watching a video and I'm I'm thinking, oh, please don't let it be a giant dick. Please don't let it be a giant dick. Sure enough, somebody built a giant four (laughs) or five story high light up dick. And I'm going, you guys either need to grow the fuck up or get a boyfriend if you're that interested in dicks. Because seriously. But that being said, yeah, I've seen some insane houses developments that, yeah, put mine to shame. I was like, I need to. I got walls. I'm happy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my garage isn't bad i'm happy with it and i mean, I, can't, I keep thinking i'm gonna have to start closing the door because i come back and motherfucking settlers are in my bed they're sitting in the chairs working on my bench it's like go get your own stuff this is my garage see what you do is when you leave the house you just build a wall in front of really the door. <laughs> actually i should close the ball all the settlers in a little pen <laughs> kind of like the sims <laughs> put a toilet in one a corner <laughs> Just put a bucket and a and a broom and a mop and then just the beds. That's it. I want to do that now. So, Vince, have you done anything else of note then? Yeah, just random side quests, wandering around and doing the railroad stuff, really. As I, I have not, I think I've played, I've only played once since the last time we talked, actually, between game night and other stuff. Right. I well, I put in quite a few hours. Still, what day was it? One of the days again, knees weren't doing well, so I went fuck it. I just played for hours. Game kept crashing, but I'd started back up again <laughs> because it was fun. All right, well then, let's wrap that up. There was some news on System Shock that you wanted to talk about too. Yeah, uh, Night Dive Studios, uh, just whatever Night Dive, the company who did the uh, good old games re-release of System Shock 2 and a bunch of other games. They were actually talking about that. And they didn't just license the rights for System Shock 2. They own the rights to System Shock 2. And they've said they want to do a modern-day remake of the game. Oh, God, yes. <sighs> On one hand, God, that game is dated. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it could use an upgrade. On the other hand... What if they fuck it up? Then you've still got the original. I am willing to risk it. I don't know. Like they, they've said, they also want to do a System Shock Three. I'm like, okay, do that. <laughs> I, 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 they haven't said anything that leads me to believe they're going to screw it up. Like they, they, they're really passionate about it. They're obviously huge fans of the original. They basically, the reason they founded the company was to make system shock Two run on modern systems. So they're, they're not just some studios swooping in and buying up the rights and, Oh no, they're fucking fanboys. Yeah. So, but 
it's just one of those things where I, I don't know if they can quite recapture it. Like there's so many things that made System Shock System Shock. You can do it bigger. You can do it fancier, but I don't know if you can do it better. Oh, I think they could. I think they could. Again, they it, could. it would take, we'll see. it's not just the, the game engine. It's all about the story and putting out something that's good. Mm-hmm. And if they can, if they're such fans of the IP, the franchise, then it would stand to reason that, yeah, I think they probably could. It's, I, I, I'm not, I'm not ragging on them. I really hope they do. And there's nothing they've said that indicates that they won't. But until I see the finished product, I'm always going to have that fear in the back of my mind. Yeah. Because almost unanimously, most gamers will tell you that's one of the best PC games of all time. Oh, yeah, hands down. So we'd still be looking at a long way away. Oh, yeah, the years at yeah. least. So. All right, so that is going to wrap it up for tonight. Thank you for listening live. Anybody who joined us in the audience, you can join us live at ForTheLore.com slash live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. You can find us on Twitter at ForTheLore or individually Joe at Loaders at J, Vince at Simodian, or myself at Zen Buddhist. You can also leave us your thoughts on iTunes or Stitcher. We do appreciate reviews. And with that, we will talk to you guys next week. See, Marty, that's how you do an exit. <laughs> He had the week off last week. I didn't insult him on any of the podcasts. <laughs> Fair's fair. <laughs> it's that time. Because I was listening to All Comics Considered this morning <laughs> while I was working. And he fucked up his own intro. And I was like, yay, way to go, Marty. <laughs> way to be Marty. <laughs> That's why we love you. <laughs> it's like when I was talking to Alicia because with her new podcast. And she's always like, oh, we make mistakes. And I was like... And she's like, when I listen to you guys, you know, you guys are so good. I was like, you listen to us after Roger has edited it most of the time. Yeah. I take out a lot of gaps there. <laughs> all all those ums and yeah, fumbles and all that. We do that, but Roger makes us look good. And, and seeing you fumbling under the desk, it was like, <laughs> oh, my God, it's for the lore number one. Oh, my God. That's hysterical. Because I can remember the the desk. We still have that desk. It's an IKEA desk. It's downstairs <laughs> in the basement now. But I can still picture that fucking desk crawling underneath it to fumble with the cables to try to get it working. I was like, God damn. So yeah, when I saw her doing that, I was like, oh God, that's so cute. <laughs> Some things never change. <laughs> Fumbling for, for cables. That's part of it. But yes, You have to go on and talk about how to full boyfriend one time. Yeah, that would be funny. There you go. Bring me on your podcast. I'm just joking. <laughs> Roger has bird feelings. I think somebody so might have taken, us, taken me seriously too when I said in a couple of weeks. Vince and I are starting our own podcast, but from the male perspective. I was like, don't take that seriously. We're not doing that shit. That was a joke. Uh, no, you don't want me to. Trust me. Because <laughs> then you'd be like, why are you insulting something that I love? <laughs> How are you doing on the Justice Leagues for tomorrow? Uh, pretty good. I don't want to say that I might have bit off a little <laughs> more than I can chew. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be tight, is what I'm saying. What you do, you'll never get away from me because I'm right.
Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.